0: Thank you, Livia. It's a wonderful privilege again to be here at a church that loves God, that prays, that seeks to love one another. Let's bow our heads together again with Livia who's already prayed. Let's continue to pray God's blessings upon us. You are our God, O Lord. Because you are, this is our story. This is our song. Praising our Savior all the day long. Praising you because of who you are. Praising you for what you have done. Praising you for touching our lives. Praising you for bringing us to this place. Praising you that we can be a people who worship. Praising you because when we have joined our hearts together in prayer, oh, how you have answered again, and again, and again. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Draw us close to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Well, uh, again, I will be leading another Bible study at uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon downstairs put the coffee on. We had a couple of people join us last week and a couple more are expressing interest. Uh, These are marvelous texts and I'm doing my best to make them become clear, but no doubt some of my sermons and some of the readings have raised more questions. And so if they have, then um, I invite you to come and to join us in discussion. Genesis chapter 12, would you stand for the reading of God's word? The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions that they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired at Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. And Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And Abram set out to continue toward the Negev. Maybe seated. Thank you. Quite an amazing story. Let me make a few comments about the uh, the text. And, Then I'm going to fit it into the overall theme that I've been preaching on, uh, namely the history of of salvation. Um, Abram, at the ripe old age of 75, was called by God, told to follow him, go to a new place, a new land, uh, where he'd never been before. God would simply show him. And uh, as it turns out, that place would be Canaan. But we'll get to that. And you will be a blessing and you will be blessed. All the people on earth will be blessed. That's the whole purpose of this. So he went, and he took some people with him. He didn't go alone. He took his wife, Sarai, whose name means princess. You can just imagine her mom and dad when she was born just thinking of this dear, sweet little girl as their little princess. They named her Sarai. And later... When God called Abraham, Abram, her name changed from little princess Sarai to the princess of the world Sarah. And his name changed from Abram, (laughs) means exalted father. I have no idea why some mom or dad, when he was very little, decided to call him exalted father. He didn't look like a father at the moment. But maybe it was in honor of his exalted father. And maybe with a hope that someday he would become a great father himself. But for whatever reason, his name was Abel. When God comes to him at age 75 he changes his name from exalted father to father of the nations. Uh, That's a laugh. In both cases he and his wife because despite the fact that they had been married for years And they had a loving relationship. She was beautiful. He was attracted to her. But nevertheless, no children. And so God comes to this childless couple. He says, I am going to make you a great people. I'm going to make you a great nation. And through your descendants, which are going to populate the earth, are going to become so many. It's like the stars of the sky or the the sand of the sea. You won't be able to count them. You and your descendants are going to become a great, great blessing. Say, age 75. Okay, good. Sarah, you're 65, but you're gonna have a child. Nothing happens. Five years go by, nothing more happens. 85 now, well, nothing more happens. Sarah's 75. 85, 90, 95, 99, and nothing has happened. Meantime, Abram says, I'm so aware of God's presence and God's word to me and God's presence, God's promise. But it's clear. God needs a little help. His wife agrees. She has a maid. Her name is Hagar. Dear, take my maid, have a child by her. It's not God's idea, but it's theirs. so they give God a little help they have a child she becomes pregnant and Hagar gives birth to Ishmael now many of you know the story you know the history Ishmael becomes sort of the father of many of the Palestinians some of whom later after Christ would be followers of mohammed they would call themselves muslims and they trace their lineage back to ishmael but god's promise is through abraham and the promised son who would come not through a maid but would come through Sarah herself. And Sarah would become a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother, and she would be tremendously blessed. A couple of visitors come by. They may have been sent by God come to find out. Hmm. Ah. Uh, Abraham welcomes them. Sit down by a fire, have tea together, maybe something to eat. They enter into conversation, and before they get up to leave, they say, Oh, 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 by the way, Abraham, we're coming back in about a year from now. And when we come back, your wife is going to have a beautiful, bouncing little baby on her knee." And she hears everything in her tent. And she breaks out in laughter. <laughs> Abram understands. Abram laughed at this idea himself. The prophecy comes true. And they name their little child Laughter. That's what Isaac means. In Hebrew, Isaac means laughter. <laughs> he is a joke. <laughs> this is an impossibility. But he brings to them laughter. And God has the last laugh. And it's a tremendous joy to them. Little laughter is born. No, it's not without drama. God calls Abraham to do the unthinkable. I cannot imagine this. He calls him to sacrifice the gift he has just been given. Isaac at age 12. And it's a trial. And when Abraham is so, so faithful to God, God greatly blesses him. And a little laughter continues to be a great joy. Abraham, he is a great blessing. His children are to be a great blessing to the world. Now, that's the story. Let me tell you how it fits in. Let me do a flashback. Adam and Eve they are created they have everything it's wonderful it's beautiful God has created the heavens and the earth and everything in it it is absolutely magnificent God has created mankind for the purpose of having a creature on earth outside of heaven, on earth, created to be beautiful like the heavens, made beautiful for the sole purpose that he would have a people who would follow him, doing God's will on earth just as it is in heaven, just because they wanted to. Now, in order for that to happen, there has to be some boundaries. And Adam and Eve have to respect those boundaries just because God said, just because they wanted to, but they don't, they in essence by their actions Say, forget you, God. That tree looks awfully good to me. And Satan says that you're holding out on us. That if we eat this, we're going to become wise. And oh, we want to become wise like you, God. So she takes the apple, eats it, shares it with Adam. And everything, it is not an exaggeration to say everything changes. Earth that knew nothing except life, joy, and blessing now enters into the world that which would bring death and destruction those forces that would lead to death and you know all of them you all suffer from some of them cancer and heart problems and all of that God didn't make us that way. It was the result of sin, including earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and all of it. The worst thing that happened is that the hearts of people were changed. And the next stage. Is the sin and its penalty. They've created beautifully, they've sinned, and in comes destruction. And now everything is distorted, everything becomes violent everything becomes corrupt. The firstborn son of Adam and Eve becomes a murderer and that tendency just continues. I know there's another line here from Seth and you know they have the beautiful people of Enoch who walked with God and his son Methuselah lives 969 years and and finally Noah who walks with God. Then there is a marriage, and the violent aspect takes over, and the whole world is shaken. It has become so violent, it has become so corrupt, it has become so terrible that God says, no! I will not have this. And humanity's history is over. God is about to send a flood and everything, everything is going to be destroyed. But there is one man The descendant of Seth. The descendant of Enoch who who walked with God and God just took him. It's this one man by the name of Noah. He's unusual, he's not like the rest. Through him, the world is saved. You know the story. He builds a boat called an ark, it's huge, fills it with his family, and fills it with the animals that God didn't want to have drowned. And humanity is saved. God literally brings to humanity salvation through Noah. But it isn't enough. The violence isn't there as it once was, but there is a kind of arrogance that is pervasive. And instead of waiting for God to come to them, I say, you know what? We can get to God. We can go to heaven on our own power. Listen, some of you are very, very good at building we're going to build a tower with a staircase around it and the taller the tower becomes, the taller the staircase is going to become and the taller the staircase the taller the tower and we are finally going says what and he destroys their plan through the lack of communication they can't they can no longer communicate to each other God confuses them by introducing a multitude of languages. And they literally cannot talk to each other. And they can't continue the plan because they can't talk to each other. And this kind of arrogance continues. The world needs God to intervene. The world needs God to come to them. The world needs instruction. The world needs a people that they can look up to. They need some examples to follow. They need to know what it means to be one of God's. Abraham is it. Abraham. He calls Abraham.
1: (laughs) Let me
0: me walk you through Abraham's journey. I want to draw you a map of the area. Um, I'm not a good artist. But here it is. It's kind of like that. Something like a triangle. And over here is Ur of the Chaldeans. And it's near where the Tigris and the Euphrates River come together, overflows, and enriches the land as it does. It's called the Fertile Crescent. And then flows into the Persian Gulf. That's where Adam was born. But his journey has become earlier. It's, it's begun with his father, Terah. And, and Abraham goes north in the area between the Tigris and Euphrates River up to a place which was later to be called Syria. And now it's named after one of the grandsons of Noah, Haran. And Haran was up north. And there with his father Abraham and his family, Sarah. And there's another very interesting person that enters into the picture. His name is Lot. Lot is... Abraham's nephew, Lot's father died while the grandfather tower the was still alive. And there's a relationship that seems to have developed between Abraham Abram and Lot. Lot, now, he's a young adult, but he has no earthly living father. And Abram has no children. He has no son. So there is a kind of like a almost like a father-son relationship. It's really an uncle and nephew relationship, but it's very, very strong. There is a deep love there. And Lot is with him. Sarai, whose name becomes Sarah, she's with him. And in Haran, they seem to have accumulated a lot of stuff including servants. And so, having been called by God to a land that God would show them, all of them and all of their stuff begins a journey down to Shechem, very near the area that would become Jerusalem. And it's very interesting. They come to a tree. It's the tree at Mora in Shechem. And it seems to have been a religious site. Now I go to Haiti and and the Haitians would immediately respond to that. Because frankly, they like to do their voodoo stuff under a tree called the Mapu tree. It's a very thorny tree, and most of their religious stuff was done under a tree, a mapoon tree. So they would, they would get this. But here was a tree known for its religious practices. There was religious stuff was done underneath this tree, <laughs> and as though God comes and converts the whole tree, the whole region and now becomes a place where Abraham meets with God. God comes to him and speaks to him and blesses him. But there's more to this journey. In Shechem and Canaan there is a hunger there is a, there's a lack of food the lack of rain lack of grain and they become desperate and it's interesting because he goes further south to Egypt now i know this is this is This is like a prediction of things to come. Later, Jacob and his 12 sons would become hungry. Same kind of thing. And they would go to Egypt and be saved. That's that's another story. It's a wonderful story. I don't know if I'll have time to tell it, but it's great. But right now, it's just Abraham. And Abraham almost gives his wife away. She is 65 years old, but she is beautiful. And Abraham says, Sarah, they're going to take one look at you and they're going to want you for their wife and I, they are going to kill me for you. So we're going to be separated no matter what and I'm going to die. I want you to say to them, you're my sister. And it all happens. The Pharaoh sees her and she is so beautiful. And Pharaoh takes this woman to be his wife almost. God intervenes things. There is a curse on Pharaoh and he understands maybe through a dream, he understands what's happening here. It's terrible. And so he comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, how could you do this to me? Take your wife. She is your wife. Get out of here. Take whatever you need and get out of here. And they go back to Shechem. They go back to Canaan. That's the interesting story of his journey. Abraham, you are going to be blessed. Far more than your imagination can take you. Through the son I will be giving you. And you and your descendants will be a blessing to the whole world. Now, sometimes God's people didn't feel like they were a blessing because they went through a great deal of suffering and their own sins. Some of it was because of their own sins. But the intention was that they would be a blessing to the entire world. They were not to be a blessing just so Abraham and his descendants could feel good about themselves. They were not to be blessed so that they could pat themselves on the back and say, Oh, we are so blessed. No. They were to become a blessing to the world. You and I are descendants of all this. Jesus comes as the Jewish Messiah, he suffers on a cross and dies for our sins and the apostle Paul explains that those who put their faith in Jesus the sacrificed son of God the sacrificed dying lamb of God you put your faith and trust in him and you become adopted into the family you're a Jew we're all Jewish We're all the sons and daughters of Abraham by adoption. Why? So that we could pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, we are such good people. I don't know what I ever did to deserve this. It must be because I, I never swore. Must be because I had good parents and they taught me right. That's why I'm a Christian. It's it's because I am just so wonderfully blessed. Oh, I am. I'm so glad. Oh God, I didn't deserve this, but inside yes I did. No, you didn't. You belong to God. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been filled with God's Holy Spirit to be a blessing. Amen. That's it. So that those who are torn, those who are desperate, those who are hurting, those who are different, those who are despised, That's why we give of our tithes. That's why we give of our offerings. That's why we give to missions whenever we can. Because some people are really, really hurting and they need somebody just to bless them. It's you. It's me. Abraham be blessed for the sole purpose of being a blessing to the world. And as children of Abraham by adoption. That's us. That's our calling. To be with those who have made terrible mistakes and have found themselves in prison. They're cursed, right? We're the blessed ones so we can forget them. No, 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 no. You are to be a blessing. be a blessing to those who are immigrants on the southern border, the northern border, everywhere else. We are to be a blessing to people. Not because we are so much better, but because God has called us to this purpose. Wherever there are hurting people, wherever there are struggling people, you and I who have been blessed have been called to be a blessing. That's our calling. We dare not take it lightly. Of course, of course, the the greatest blessing is to help people come to know that God so loved them that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God, so that if they put their faith in Him, they can trust Him as their own Lord and personal Savior. And when they leave this life, go to him. of course that's the greatest blessing. But they can't hear us. Their ears are deaf. Unless we help them to open their ears through love, through caring, through giving, through compassion. It's awfully hard to listen to our sermons on an empty stomach. So we need to bless them. Physically. We heard that from Michaela at the very opening statement when she read from the book of James. Thank you, Michaela. Wonderful. We are to be a blessing. That's our calling. Will you answer? Let's pray. Gracious, gracious, eternal God, speak to us, even as you spoke to your servant Abraham, speak to us. Remind us of how wonderfully we have been blessed. Remind us of our obligation to be a blessing to others through Jesus Christ our Savior.
1: Amen. Do you know anyone who's living this level of life? Joy unspeakable. Full of joy. Do you know anyone? How do we live a focused life in Christ? Verse 14, and then I'm, I think I'm done. Kathy, is that okay? <laughs> John 15, verse 14. Watch this. You are my friends if you do what I command. God expects our obedience. He expects it. He doesn't just want us to obey. He demands that we obey. Wow. What kind of life are you living? is Is it a life that counts? Is Jesus Christ the focus of your life? That means that everything you do centers around Him. Everything. I'll close with this one sentence Christianity, a Christian, disciple, follower of Jesus, is not a part time life a sometime life. It is not. It's an all-time life. It's a surrendered life. Giving up of self. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, Father, That is the cry of our hearts this morning. Your people calling in repentance. Forgive us of our self-righteousness, of our pride, of our disobedience, a selfish life. That, Lord, we come before you this morning with one desire upon our hearts and that's living a focused life in you and through you. Lord, I pray and this is a bold prayer, whatever it takes, Lord, in the life of your people, professing Christians, your church, whatever it takes to bring us to our knees. and live a life centered on you. Put it before us, Lord. Put it before us. And in making that statement, I see one person. I see Jesus Christ. And then I see the power of the Holy Spirit working upon those that are within the sound of these words, this prayer, whether it be in this building or online, specifically people online, you're welcome in the house of the Lord. Don't make him a life of convenience. God is calling us to be one in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves within those that have been listening, those that have ears to hear. And the Holy Spirit moves them before your throne on their knees in repentance and a desire to abide to remain in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please stand, respond to how God has spoken to you this morning. Whether you be here physically or you're visiting us online, there are people online that will respond to you in prayer, information giving. Whatever you may need in your life this morning, you can find it in Christ Jesus. Kathy?